Ecuador is a truly remarkable country. Though its total land mass is roughly only half that of the UK, Ecuador boasts four very different geographical regions. La Sierra, the Andean and Inter-Andean highlands noted for its volcanoes and snow-capped peaks. La Costa, the fertile coastal regions to the west of the Andes. La Amazonia, the region to the east containing large sections of Amazonian rainforest, much of it part of Amerindian untouchable zones, land set aside for indigenous tribes that continue to live traditionally, and La Región Insular, home to the famous Galapagos Islands, where Charles Darwin conceived his theory of evolution. Ecuador has more biodiversity per square mile than any other nation, and its constitution was the first to legally recognize the rights of nature. The Galapagos Islands have remained largely uninhabited by humans for most of the history of our species. Though the cluster of volcanic islands were accidentally discovered by the Bishop of Panama in 1535, the limited fresh water found on the archipelago made it an unattractive location for colonists. That is not to say there is no human history on the Galapagos, however. For centuries, pirates and sailors used the Encantadas, or Enchanted Isles as they called them, as a temporary stopover or hideaway in the eastern Pacific. A legend among 19th century sailors held that when wicked sea captains died, they were transformed into the Galapagos, or giant tortoises, and forced to wander the desert islands as a punishment for their sins. In the 18th century, whalers brought these tortoises nearly to extinction from overhunting. Their numbers still have not recovered to this day. The 19th century saw the rise of the Industrial Age, and with it came renewed attempts from modern industrialists to claim and tame the inhospitable land of the Galapagos. Among them was a shady businessman named Manuel Julian Cobos, who embarked on a journey to the Galapagos in the 1860s to found a plantation known as Hacienda El Progreso. Welcome back to Respect the Dead, the podcast where we don't. I'm Kellen. And I'm Andy. So today's episode was a suggestion from my mom, Mama Hoots. Mama Hoots. <laughs> yeah. We love her. <laughs> this is a suggestion she made like a year ago, and I'm finally doing it. Um, Thanks, Amanda Hoots, mom. <laughs> <laughs> we've uh, So we've been getting a lot of suggestions and comments and Twitter replies and stuff um, pretty much since day one. And there's just no way to track them all so we've decided that going forward our patrons over on patreon can submit suggestions to our suggestion cemetery so that's going to be a fun new patreon benefit moving forward you can drop some money in the bucket and drop a core uh we don't really do patreon exclusive episodes behind a paywall but patreon patrons also sometimes get longer cuts of episodes containing like personal anecdotes or like jokes that we left on the cutting room floor uh so if that's also something that interests you head on over to patreon.com slash respect the dead and it should interest you because we're that's right fucking funny some of those yeah. personal anecdotes are fucking hilarious we're so charming and like effortless everybody i don't know if you noticed that but we are that's what my friend coco says <laughs> <laughs>
So up until the 19th century, the Galapagos were considered a no man's land. But in 1832, the newly independent Republic of Ecuador acquired it and began a few failed attempts at colonizing. A no man's land sounds so nice. Like, I would feel like so cozy going to the store at night. Like Just you and the fucking turtles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess I'm going to like a turtle store. So I'm like probably buying like rotting seaweed or whatever the fuck they eat but still mm. much better vibes i think they're big fans of romaine they are whenever i see a tortoise okay. and a, yeah he's always munching on some romaine i am also a vegetarian yeah. <laughs> i actually had an ex who had a who had a tortoise his name was brasputin because he was a russian tortoise and Aww. he was pretty cool he mostly just chilled out in this little like this little box with his straw and when he would when he would eat he would climb into the bowl and like eat around himself it was very cute <gasps> that's Aww. so smart mm -hmm. that's so smart and so cute i need a food bowl slash bed i know <laughs> right doesn't that sound so comforting to climb into a bowl and just eat around yourself <laughs> fill it up with like all dressed chips and climb in with like a bucket oh of Yes. A French onion dip. <laughs> Diet Pepsi in one hand, just covered in <laughs> chips. Well, you said the turtle had a straw. I assume I could also have a straw. It would just be plugged into some Diet Pepsi. Oh, like upside down, like a little hamster. Yeah, like the, yes. Yes, like, like the gravity. Yeah. 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 <laughs> 100%. I would love bringing a man home to that and being like, um, this is my food bowl. <laughs> Get in. Get in, baby. <laughs> Get in sexy. We're fucking on the romaine tonight. <laughs> As you get on it, crunch, crunch, crunch. <laughs> that actually sounds very satisfying. It does. <laughs> I think I just unlocked a new kink. <laughs> I think that's called splashing. Oh, of course you know it, you sick fuck. <laughs> The spit take I almost just did. <laughs> You're like, hold, hold on. I have a translation for this. Where's my English to whore dictionary? <laughs> just like, she just like picks up like a, an actual book. <laughs> oh, she wrote mm -hmm. it. That's right. It's actually all here on my iPad. <laughs> it's 2023, sweaty. We don't have actual books anymore, stupid. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm old. <laughs> But now I am creating an app called the Horsaurus. <laughs> Not the Thesaurus. <laughs> the Thesaurus. Okay, that's better. That's better. Thesaurus. <laughs> oh my god, this fucking Horus. <laughs> okay. Anyways, so go back to. We're back at the Galapagos. Yeah, what's happening there's with the turtles? There's no men. <laughs> there's no men. There's beds made of lettuce everywhere. Uh, it's it's the 1800s, and uh, Ecuador has just acquired it, and they're like, we should do something with these turtle rocks. Uh, so throughout most of this period, mainland Ecuador treated the Galapagos kind of similar to the way that Great Britain treated Australia as a penal colony. Not bad. <laughs> yeah. So they would like send convicted criminals there. Now, the Galapagos having a population almost entirely consisting of exiled criminals and turtles eventually made it an attractive location for entrepreneurs <laughs> because as the United States knows very well today, prisoners make for a reliably cheap labor force. <laughs> Sure do. <laughs> yeah. Oop. And I oop. What a what a great and 
harmless idea. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, if they're prisoners and they can't go anywhere, they can't get mad at you when you don't pay them anything. It's like the opposite of work from home. <laughs> <laughs> It won't be actual slavery, everybody. It's just, we're going to give them like five cents an hour. That's fine, right? Like, what are they going to use it to buy anyway? It's not technically slavery. It's not technically slavery if you give them five cents an hour. Yep. (laughs) Uh, Anytime you have to be like, listen, it's not technically slavery. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, we're we're like two minutes in and we're, we're running into some, yeah, actually. So guys, I think we all know our brand human slavery has not been doing so well in the court of public opinion. (laughs) So what if we called it like, like slavery? (laughs) Like what if we tried to have like a a woke rebrand? Yeah, I think you're onto something there. Very slay. (laughs) And it's always written in the lower case. When it's for women, we put in pink fonts, you know, so it's for her. Mm, yeah oh yes yeah. slay very for her yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. slay very for her <laughs> oh my god and we should totally do a pride month thing we should totally oh, do like, okay yes. that would be rainbows really, really cute yes but let's not use like the the regular rainbow let's pick like an obscure one like the like i don't know the like bi gender flag or something just to like really hone in on individual communities and show that we are like we are plugged in we Mm -hmm. know it's not the like we're not using the dirty old pride flag no (laughs) we're using like one that the kids are using right Mm. right yeah we know what the youth likes Mm -hmm. being bi gender yeah (laughs) that means two <laughs> like, actually, it's two or more. <laughs> the Galapagos is home to a kind of lichen known as orchia, which was used in the 19th century to make purple oh, dye. So, man, I'm in. Okay, it. I confused. <laughs> I I thought you meant like a wolf. <laughs> like I'm like they're crushing up lichens to make purple dye. <laughs> <laughs> just like a barrel full of wolves like, just stomping on them like, like grapes <laughs> oh my god can you imagine if I just <laughs> the sounds <laughs> but it's like the squishy grape juice it's the blood and brains just... yeah and also like wolves biting you yeah <laughs> that's kind of the fun <laughs> that's where you get the red hue from with all the blood on your ankles uh my it's favorite blue detail- blood and your red blood <laughs> <laughs> my favorite detail about that leap of logic right there is you just assumed that i was suddenly referring to wolves by like their latin name or something <laughs> yeah like you, you always know, do like it like it i don't know you're fancy you know all sorts of words <laughs> Like apparently a second lichen. Okay, so no, it's it's a moss. It's a like a lichen, L I C H E N. Okay, not the Y. Yeah, right. Me and reading that makes... for my entire life, like lichen, <laughs> <laughs> lichen. I literally always thought it was lichen. <laughs> I've never Ooh. heard it said out loud. <laughs> like lychee or lychee. Is yeah, lychee or lychee. It's lychee. That's See, none of us know say. words. None of us know words. <laughs> We're all dumb bitches. Woo. 
Sorry, that wasn't in my whores dictionary. <laughs> that wasn't in my the whores. <laughs> <laughs> so a number of 19th century entrepreneurs resolved to harvest and harvest and process Orkia, employing the exiled criminals on their plantations. They were like, this is a perfect setup here. We've got a place where they keep sending all of the convicts, and it also happens to be home to this like mm-hmm. <laughs> lichen, this this lichen that that makes this beautiful purple dye. Like, let's make lemons out of these lemonade. Wait, no, that's not how it goes. Let's, let's make, make lemonade. lemons out of these lemonades. <laughs> lemonades. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess that hit, that is how it went. <laughs> let's make some lemonade out of these crushed wolves. So among these. Uh, among these like 19th century girl bosses was a Spanish merchant named Jose Valdezon, who established a farm on the island of Floriana in 1870. Jose treated his workers really well and justly, uh, but his workers were still only his workers because they were being uh, practically compelled. And In July of 1878, they staged an uprising led by the laborers who wanted to escape to the continent, and Jose Valdezon was murdered. Uh, About 100 of his workers remained on the Galapagos. Um, The rest of them, like I said, escaped to the South American continent. And in need of work, they moved to the neighboring island of San Cristobal in 1879 to work for a newcomer from the mainland, Manuel Julian Cobos. Manuel Cobos was originally from mainland Ecuador, and his company, Cobos y Hermanos, uh, focused on Orquilla production throughout the 1870s until near the end of the decade when demand for the dye waned and they refocused on sugarcane. So Manuel had actually been running a plantation in San Cristobal since the mid-1860s, financing the relocation of 12 families to work on his plantation, but he soon had to flee the the islands when he got in trouble with the law for smuggling. Uh, So he fled to Baja, California, where he established another plantation producing Orquilla, and um, I believe from California, he uh, continued like... um, basically managing the one that was on the Galapagos from a farm. Political upheaval in Ecuador in 1875 cleared the way for Manuel to return to his home country. And in 1878, he returned to San Cristobal uh, to construct his sugarcane plantation. He imported exotic sugarcane and coffee plants, as well as domesticated animals, and expanded his operation yeah, to the Galapagos. Uh, An article from Archaeology Magazine titled Letter from the Galapagos Islands reads, Livestock such as cattle, horses, goats, and pigs were brought to San Cristobal in huge numbers and gradually pushed out native wildlife. Cattle ranching became extremely lucrative, so thousands of acres of terrain were cleared to create grazing pastures planted with foreign grasses, which replaced native vegetation. Crops were grown for both local consumption and export. Cobos planted an estimated 1,200 acres with coffee, maize, fruit trees, beans, vegetables, and other agricultural products. Three to four miles of channels, canals, and aqueducts brought water to the fields and to the sugar mill. 
which required a tremendous amount of water to operate. Progreso eventually grew to more than 7,400 acres and had 60 miles of interconnected roads, dozens of houses, numerous workshops and warehouses, an abattoir, and an ox-drawn 50-car railway that transported crops from the fields to the processing plant and onto the port. In a matter of decades, the highlands of San Cristobal were utterly transformed. There is a three-pronged attack on the landscape, says archaeologist Peter Stahl. Vegetation clearance, importation of not only domestic plants, but also animals, and then the destruction of wild resources through exploitation and habitat alteration. Who goes to the Galapagos and is like, do you know what this place needs? An abattoir. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like, people are sick. Like, that is like, that is sickening. Like, I can't think of anything more like emblematic of like the human disregard for like nature and animals than just like hearing that it was like this beautiful like enchanting like mysterious place with so many like i think there's like a bunch of species there not found anywhere else in the yeah, world mm-hmm. very, very unique um, biodiversity <laughs> yeah. there yeah. yeah like well we're gonna need a slaughterhouse <laughs> <laughs> fuck off and then like bringing like your own like vegetation and stuff from like where you were yeah. like i don't know in my head it's almost cartoony but like i imagine them like just like steamrolling everything and then they just like roll out a green carp like a green lawn like you would see in like a suburban yeah. landscape yeah. and it's just like oh gross yeah yeah it's <laughs> <laughs> like planting grass does kind of just feel like a little slap in the fucking face doesn't it, does. it? like oh one like that's that's sick <laughs> there's Plant no a need bunch of grass over it yeah you don't even need to feed that to the cows like you can just let them <laughs> graze on whatever is there right yeah you, was there like, was grass no. there i can tell you there were grasses yeah like yeah. different there were turtles living there all grasses like <laughs> right hacienda el progreso which once employed a dozen families would employ over 400 people by the turn of the 20th century many of them exiled convicts and indentured servants The Ecuadorian economy in the 19th century was entirely supported by its haciendas. Uh, In the north and central Sierra provinces, indigenous workers were subjected to humiliating and exploitative treatment in the agricultural haciendas. And in the south, women worked in textile factories. Uh, The haciendas of the coast were projected to grow thanks to the export of cocoa and the global demand for chocolate. And landowners similarly exploited the cocoa farmers. in many of the haciendas, including Manuel Cobos's Hacienda El Progreso, a practice referred to as concerts was established, which uh, was like very, very similar to some of the practices we'd see in North American coal mines, where laborers would be charged and taxed to live on the plantation they worked and plunge so far into debt that to the landowners that they'd essentially have to work for free to pay off their debts. Great. Yeah, we we did super similar things here in like West Virginia coal mines. Um, mm. And it was basically like um, 
they would they would just find they'd be like in order to work here you have to live on the plantation you have to live on the hacienda and to live on the hacienda you're gonna have to pay rent and taxes and oh look at that your rent and taxes just happen to be that much more than what you're making here so (laughs) So better get a second job yeah oh there are no other second jobs you're on an island At Hacienda El Progreso, uh, uh, Manuel would finance people's journeys to the island or their establishment on the colony, um, like he did with that original 12 families, and then they'd go into debt that way. Um, Or if a laborer happened to manage to arrive and be hired at Hacienda El Progreso debt-free, a welcoming party would be thrown for him. Uh, and then he'd be informed that he is in debt for the party expenses for his welcoming party. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Happy fucking birthday. It's a real bitch move. <laughs> that is like, that is something you would read on like MIV asshole. <laughs> right. <laughs> I threw a party for my, for my new employee and he didn't even appreciate it. Like, yes, I gave him the bill at the end, but I don't even know him. Why should I be paying for it? Like, <laughs> Imagining like, like the last place I work, if they had thrown us a pizza party, and then at the end of it, they're like, "Okay, so this is how much everyone owes us for the pizzas. We'll get that yeah. at the end of the day. Thank you. We prefer Venmo, but if you have cash, that's fine too." <laughs> I would burn that place to the ground. I thought about it. Mm. Put a pin in that, Kaylin. Ooh, put a pin in fire. Okay, I like that. Yes, I love arson. Yes. It's my favorite type of sin. And I love our podcast. (laughs) Okay, so Hacienda El Progreso even had a company store, like American coal mining companies. And the plantation workers would be paid in rubber coins that were only accepted as currency at the company store. Of course. No. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, tried and true method in the 19th century. The first uh, Starbucks card. <laughs> <laughs> the company store charged inflated prices for everything. Very often daily wages wouldn't cover the price of a loaf of bread. So that as workers <laughs> tried to afford their basic needs, they would have to go further into debt. So they'd be like, well, we'll give you the bread, um, but you still owe money on it. So you're going to have to work that off. Uh Workers reported that they worked between 13 and 18 hours a day, and there were very few days. 18 hours a day! No, they probably had such bad sciatica. Oh my god. I literally lived only six hours of your day, and like, good luck Mm -hmm. getting any sleep. (laughs) Yeah, first you have to ride your turtle home, and like, that takes like fucking two hours on itself. Uh, not to be fair, to be very um, correct, I'm going to call out the maritime industry for this right now. Uh, there are still people working on cruise ships working 18 hours a day. There are Americans working on cruise ships working 18 hours a day because maritime law allows it. Maritime law says that you need to have six hours of rest. So very often these cruise ships that are in, in international waters will work people for 18 hours a day with one day off a week for four months straight and then kick them off the boat. And people take it because they're 20 years old and they want to work on a cruise ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so this kind of shit is still going on to this day. Um, but these were people working on a plantation <laughs> in the fields um, between 13 and 18 hours a day. Uh, and there Not were very, very few days off. Yeah. <laughs> Which is still awful. Like, 
Well, no, no. Yeah. Any service job is awful, but like a cruise ship, especially. Uh, Yeah. Uh, So just, I don't know. um, Think about that before you book a cruise. Like cruises are fun. And if you decide to go on one, um, you know, slip, slip the person working in like cleaning your room or like are are working in the restaurant, like a a nice generous tip because. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> leave like oh, a gun on your, they leave you a chocolate you leave them a gun on your pillow <laughs> like, yeah. do as thou wilt is the whole of the law like a take a penny leave a penny take a gun leave a gun situation <laughs> that's very <laughs> american <laughs> take a gun leave a gun take a gun leave a gun <laughs> there's six bullets in the chamber bestie use them wisely <laughs> You should turn off that safety. The only holidays were New Year's Day, Shrove Tuesday, and Manuel Cobos's patron saint day. Shrove <laughs> Tuesday? What did we all get up to on Shrove Tues? Is that that's that's Fat Tuesday, right? Am I wrong? Is Shrove Tuesday Excuse Fat me? Tuesday? I, I've Mardi never Gras? heard of that before. What's Fat Tuesday? What is Shrove Tuesday? Mardi Gras. Oh, the day okay. immediately preceding Ash Wednesday. Um, oh, it's the beginning I think of that's Lent. Mardi Gras. It's Mardi Gras. We know Mardi Gras is like the last day before Lent, right? Yeah. Um, so Americans, we do well, at least Southern Americans, we do Mardi Gras where it's like, yeah, let's get fucked up and show our titties right before we do Lent. And those weak pussies over in britain that's very healthy eat pancakes oh because they're like oh we're not gonna have this for the next 40 i'm not days gonna have we're... pancakes for 40 days so what i do that like most 40 days if yeah, you look at a stretch of 40 pancakes. days i probably haven't had pancakes like no they're they're sick people you know they're just like they are drink they're they're eating piles of pancakes every morning with tea poured on them <laughs> Just like because mm-hmm. they don't have syrup because that's only in Canada. They actually make them very skinny and they typically squeeze lemon juice and sprinkle sugar on them. Okay, the sugar like I'm like I'm like super skinny. English I'm like, OK, a little like crepe. But then clep. then lemon juice. I'm back out again. Like, here's some, like, super skinny, like, wet lemon bread. And if you're British and you're listening to this and you're mad, why don't you die mad? Yeah. You know what you did. <laughs> you know what you we'll did. We'll stop making fun of English cuisine when it stops sucking. How about that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway. Like, okay. So, yeah. Shrove Tuesday, Fat Tuesday, and, like, Manuel Cobos's patron saint day, which I think is, like, basically being like, yeah, we get to celebrate my birthday. <laughs> I'm you not going to lie. If I had an island, <laughs> we would I mean, also yeah. be celebrating my birthday. Okay. I am going to send you a couple of pictures. Uh, so based on photographs, um, we know that the workers lived in very crude huts. Let me see which one Oh, that's got. not a wall. I'll send yep, the other that one. That is a... You're like, yes, that is crude. <laughs> That is that looks very exposed. It doesn't look like it's very I mean like the top of it's covered, but like No, there'd be turtles crawling all in and on that. (laughs) Okay. I'm gonna send you a second photo of like some of the workers standing outside a collection, like a little neighborhood of these huts. Oh, they're posing posing. They probably didn't see a camera a whole lot back then. So they're like best let's make the most of it. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's like these ones are better. Describe what you see. Describe what you see. So there's several huts in the back. Each one um, has like a triangular roof, and they are packed with what appears to be straw for all of the walls in the roof with a wooden door. And then in front of this collection of like, I don't know, 10 huts or houses or this says view of the workers' houses. So I'm going to go with houses. I'm seeing a bunch of workers with like really cute wide brim hats. It's very fancy when the brim of your hat goes like all the way around. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all very like, other than the children, uh, they're giving like some stoic poses. Um, mm-hmm. And they're standing in like fairly tall grass. It's going up to their knees. Yeah. And uh, the the land behind them is fucking gorgeous. Like it's just like sprawling open grasses with like rolling hills and like lines of trees going along what looks like maybe a river. It would be pretty if these people weren't working 18 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, uh, the, the houses are like totally thatched like you know how you get like thatched roof houses but like everything like the walls are also thatched and uh it it, they very much look like temporary structures um that people lived and died in uh meanwhile uh manuel lived in the hacienda Uh house and what does his house look like let's get mad Yep. <laughs> it's a castle. It it's Oh yep. fuck off. It's not thatched. <laughs> There's no thatching on this. This the size and like layout of this house looks like something you would have seen on like in like later series of reality TV shows of like Yeah. But not the condition of it. This is a house. This is a manch. Yeah. It's like several stories. Um, I say several, it's like three stories, I think, um, three three floors. You've got like, what is that? Like a little tower on the top. Yeah. There's a Um, turret. (laughs) A turret, (laughs) something. It's got like fence all around it. Um, there's like a porch that some people are standing on. I assume some of those are like house servants of some kind. Yeah. (laughs) It makes me angry. it's (laughs) It's big. It's big. Does anyone think that maybe inequality isn't fair? It's just something I've been thinking about lately. I know. I've considered it. I've considered it. Manuel stocked his home with the latest consumer trends out of Europe and the United (laughs) States and was especially preoccupied with the high culture of the French elite, a popular interest among wealthy South American. His tables were set with ceramics manufactured in Staffordshire, England, Bordeaux, France, and Belgium. He drank large quantities of alcohol, same bestie, including Swiss absinthe, French spirits, and imported beer and wine. His food was dressed and flavored with French-made olive oil and mustard. He used hygiene and medicinal products that included cherry toothpaste from London, toothbrushes from France, and various foreign cure-alls, including an ointment made to alleviate gout, headaches, and ulcers distributed by Thomas Holloway of London, and his daughter played with dolls that were likely made in Germany. <laughs> like <laughs> this his like TikTok Amazon page must have been bussin'. Like yeah. 
I think it's especially egregious to get like your toothbrushes sent in from France. Like that getting <laughs> getting toothbrushes sent in from France at that point is like fucking bonkers. That's insane. Like that's just that's just to be like like yeah, see this toothbrush, this is from France and it's like why do you why did you bring that with you? Like we are we were at the market right now. Why is your toothbrush in your you hand? You can get those at Walgreens. That's not impressive. Yeah. A letter sent in August 1885 stated that Manuel Cobos would often flog his employees with chains and fetters. Oh, fuck off. Over the years, Manuel... So he was like the guy that I mentioned at the beginning that got killed by his people. Like allegedly he was like... I mean, he was still engaging in... Uh, what I would call unethical business practices, but he was apparently like very fair and kind to his workers. Manuel did not choose that route. Over the years, Manuel also had five laborers executed by firearm, six beaten to death, and he banished 15 of, to some of the surrounding desert islands where many of them starved to death. Nobody uh, should be able to banish someone to a desert island. Like, what the fuck is that? Mm-mm. That sucks for them because they were like already banished to a desert island and yeah. then they got a job like on that one. Right. <laughs> they got banished to an even more desert island. Like, come <laughs> on. A dessert <laughs> island could be fun. An island just full of dessert. Down for that. No, but not a desert island. No, when you think of the ants, it would get real fucked up real <laughs> quick. Sticky. Like, I thought dessert island was going to be amazing, but Jesus Christ, they're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> They're in my ice cream. <laughs> How do they even cross the ocean to get here? <laughs> Somebody brought them in. They're Boats. imported. Imported. Yeah. <laughs> imported ants. They're from imported France. from France. From France. <laughs> I import my ants from France. <laughs> Manuel Cobos was able to subjugate the majority of his workers for as long as he did because he created a de facto middle class to weaponize against the majority of his laborers, elevating mm. a small group of foremen and spies. In some reports after the destruction of Hacienda El Progreso, many of these foremen carried out whippings and raped the women living on the settlement, who only accounted for about 15% of the local population. By early 1904, some of the laborers were secretly arming themselves and planning. Uh, an insurrection. On January 14th, 1904, one of these rebels named Jose Prieto was heard probably by one of the spies to say that he planned to set Manuel Cobos's flower bed on fire. Nice. So, <laughs> so they were planning on like rising up and like a bunch of them were saying like, let's burn the plantation down. And this guy was like, I got the flower bed. <laughs> yes. He probably fucking hated Based. them. He was, he was a gardener, right? Is that what you said? Uh, no, it's just one of the one of the rebels, oh. but maybe I, let's let's pretend I that he filled died. that I filled that in on my in my head where he was like, you know what? Every fucking day I fucking threw these flowers and he doesn't even notice. Well, he's going to notice now. I like the fan fiction that you've created for, for him. I like it. So Prieto was apprehended on January 15th and sentenced to be placed on a rack and given either 400 or 500 lashes based on witness statements. Um, yeah, that that many lashes. That's excessive. <laughs> yeah, that many lashes would be a death sentence. Yeah, yeah. About 
20 to 30 of the rebels, angry at the injustice and also fearing that Prieto might reveal the other mutineers while he was being tortured, showed up at Manuel Cobos's Hacienda house that night. When Manuel Cobos appeared, the crowd fell on him. One man smashed his skull in, others hacked him with machetes, one man shot him, and another pierced him with a sword. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they were mad. Um, when he was dead, the crowd of rebels kicked his corpse and set fire to the Hacienda <laughs> house before escaping hey, to the main That's what we do. <laughs> That's us. I wouldn't take play- part in the killing because I'm too squeamish, but I would definitely give him a little kick as I was running by. Oh, me too. Just come up and boop. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I would definitely do like a little kicking. I I don't think I would do the killing, but I would like help sharpen the knives or whatever first. Like totally. we would look so cute sharpening knives for the men before they took before they oh like cut it off for their murder. Just yeah. like sitting around the table, like talking shit. Like what basically what we're doing right now, mm-hmm. but sharpening knives. Like my insta my insta cute. story would be so cute while we're doing that oh my god yes us like all doing that britney video <laughs> yes <laughs> she's dancing with the knives <laughs> i haven't seen that one so this is what the hacienda house looks like today <laughs> it's a wall <laughs> it's most of a wall <laughs> <laughs> it's one wall <laughs> Yeah, they burn that thing to the ground. Yeah, and it, it looks like it's still pretty singed. I don't know. It's not looking great. Yeah, no, she's toasty. I yeah. love how beautiful the landscape around the wall is, by the way. <laughs> beautiful green grass, the beautiful blue sky, the trees, and then it's just this wall. Oh, I had that grass imported from France. <laughs> yeah. I do look like, I mean, the landscape is like completely changed now because of this guy, but nature is like taking it taking the uh area back like the village Nature's back healing. so like you'll see all these pictures of just like an old rusty boiler getting swallowed by trees it rocks <laughs> during the criminal proceedings against the workers who rebelled and escaped from el progreso the testimonies of the workers were so moving that they gained a lot of sympathetic press coverage the misery imposed on the workers in the ecuadorian haciendas has uh, had come into the public spotlight and for the first time the boss's abuses, the practice of the concerts, the indebtedness and indentured servitude and the monetization of the labor force were starting to be questioned. An article published in El Telegrafo during the investigation of the El Progreso Rebellion read, the sufferings to which they have been subjected, the exile in which they live, the perversity of the majority and the ignorance of all have misled the judgment of these unhappy people to such an extent who consider the crime of January 15th as a heroic and meritorious act. Manuel Cobos's son-in-law assumed control of Hacienda El Progreso in 1909, but he sucked at running it. So it was plunged into <laughs> debt. And over the course of the 20th century, it was sold off piece by piece. <laughs> Damn Today, sucks. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sucks to suck, bitch. (laughs) Today, El Progreso is a quiet village consisting of a few dozen houses, a church, a school, and a soccer field. It gets almost none of the tourism that the rest of the Galapagos draws, devoid of any of the rare species and natural wonders that the archipelago is most known for. Most of El Progreso's inhabitants are direct descendants of the people who once worked for Manuel Cobos and even the descendants of the man himself. Hacienda El Progreso had been almost forgotten until the early 2010s, 
when it became the site of one of only a few archaeological projects on the Galapagos. Archaeologists Florencia Delgado, Peter Stahl, and a team of specialists have been surveying and excavating the site for the past decade, carrying out archaeobotanical and zooarchaeological analysis to determine how significantly the local landscape had been altered. To quote the Archaeology Magazine article again, One of the archaeological project's main goals was to evaluate to what degree human colonization impacted the Galapagos ecosystem as Cobos and his workforce altered the landscape to serve their own needs and wants. Human beings are agents of environmental viability, says Delgado. They transform. They make it more livable. If we want to really understand how humans transformed an environment, we have to go and dig it up. Along with the rusted iron equipment and collapsed stone foundations of the mill, El Progreso's residents are a reminder of an essential episode in the history of the Galapagos Islands and living legacies of past human experiences. Archaeological work at El Progreso has underscored that the Galapagos are not all about wondrous wildlife and unspoiled natural habitats, but are home to an untold human history as well. People are there, we have been there, and we will be there, says Delgado. We need to put humans into that story and not just think about the Galapagos as pristine areas where no one has ever been. And that's, I guess, the story of the guy who fucked up one of the Galapagos islands. (laughs) I'm going to take a stand and say I'm against him. And um, That's so brave. Thank you. I want to find his descendants and burn down their homes. He sucked really hard. Sadly, because like that community is so small, his descendants are probably also the descendants of his workers at this point. Ugh. You can't even burn down yeah. somebody's house anymore without the woke mob coming after you. <laughs> oh my god, the woke mob came after him. No. <laughs> the woke mob did good. <laughs> Canceled. Yeah. I love when our podcast has a happy ending though. I feel like it usually is. <laughs> Well, like all these people are dead, right? So like that's usually the happy ending. It's like, well, eventually they stopped living. So that's something, right? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean I always get mad halfway through, like, fuck, I wish this piece of shit would just die. And I'm like, oh wait. Where am I? (laughs) Oh wait, I know what podcast I'm on. I forgot. Oh yeah, that was a a very interesting story. Thank you for for sharing that hoots. Thanks to Mama Hoots. Thanks, Mama Hoots. Thanks to Mama Hoots. Yeah, shout out to a real one. You've been listening to Respect the Dead, the podcast where we don't. There are a couple ways to support us. Patreon supporters get bonuses like extended episodes with audio from the cutting room floor and adding cadavers to our suggestion cemetery. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and we might read it out on the show. Follow Respect the Dead on all platforms at underscore Respect the Dead. Thanks so much for listening. See you next Monday for another Worm Feast. I'm Kaylin Conrad. I'm Ailey Mandy. And I'm Hoots. Bye. Bye.